This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, we'll be talking baseball with Jeff Passan coming up in 30 minutes. Great win for the Mariners yesterday as they just came alive. 11 runs, awesome. But even more than that, just seeing the, you know, Julio and Kelnick really lead a game. We've never really seen that before, so getting an opportunity to see it was awesome. We'll talk to Jeff coming up here at 8.30 uh, as the Mariners are home for nine more games in nine days. And uh, on Saturday, you got the uh, slickest shortstop in the game, J.P. Crawford, one of the sweet giveaways of the season, the J.P. Crawford Funko Pop. Have you seen that, Brock, with the mm. shades and everything? That's uh, mm-hmm. May 27th against the Pirates' first 20,000 fans. Score a limited edition item. You can go to mariners.com slash promotions for tickets. So Bobby is back. He was out there yesterday wearing 54, and uh, he was uh, excited about wearing 54. Even Gino was saying, thank God he was wearing a decent number instead of that ugly 45. Totally Mm -hmm. agree with him on all that. What do you think it's like for Bobby? I mean, do you think he's happy? Do you think he's glad he's back? Do you think all of that is is really sincere? I I do. Yeah, I do, because I don't think he fakes the funk. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's at a, at a stage, whether that was with you and me on a on a radio show, whether that's, you know, communicating behind the scenes, whether that is in the public eye. Like, he, he's at a place where there, there's no pretense. I mean, he's, he's going to tell you what he what he really feels and yep. believes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, is it vastly different? Absolutely. Well, he was asked about that. And, you know, he said, hey, what's going on with my sound here? I can't seem to get that mm-hmm. one. That's weird. All right. Well, he was asked about uh, the vibe versus sort of the, you know, how things are now. I mean, obviously, the the main thing is the main thing. But, you know, the feeling's always different. Like, I, you come back, there's pretty much not too many people that you play with, you know, when I first got here. But, you know, there's some familiar spaces still. And um, I still understand the, the whole vibe and the whole culture here. So I'm excited to be back. I remember, and this is back-to-back hours now that I'm going to do a little Peyton Manning uh, name drop, but I, I referenced Peyton when I was with him. Very intense. I mean, very, very, very competitive, very intense. Mm-hmm. And then when I was doing Seahawk preseason games, the Seahawks played the the Broncos, and I remember hanging out with him after the game a little bit there, but, you know, as the team was eating meal before they got on the bus. It was at a preseason game in Seattle, not the Super Bowl rematch in Denver. And, and I was like, man, this is a totally different, <laughs> totally different Peyton. And Peyton was like, yeah, you know, it's different. You know, like I'm old, <laughs> I'm trying to relate to these young whippersnappers. Right. right? And like, I'm older than some of the assistant coaches, you know? And so for him and, and, and that's old, old Bobby's not there. No. Right. I mean, Bobby's not 30, but he is coming back again. And you wonder if you can go home again. Right. I mean, I guess I, I think about that and more and I were talking a little bit about it this morning, like wondering if, you know, what he missed being here is something that's just not really the same anymore. Right. Does Correct. he misses a, he misses a world with a group of friends and teammates None of which are still here. And that's not to say he doesn't have great relationships with Quandre, who he was making fun of yesterday, and DK mm-hmm. and some of the other new guys. And building new relationships can be really fun with, with you know, uh, Devin Bush and, and whomever else is here now. I, I, don't, I don't mean to suggest in any way that he's unhappy. Not yes. saying that at all. Yes. But having, you know, been at places for a long time, and you and I have both been here for basically, what, almost 15 years, and we have seen a lot of turnover. And there have been times you're like, man, 
all my friends have sort of, you know, gone elsewhere when Brian Long left and when Dave left. I mean, like there have been a lot of people that we've been close to. And over time, just the nature of business or team or whatever is that it changes. And then you have to, you know, get to know a new group of people. And sometimes it's great, like, you know, Maura. And sometimes it's Justin. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's a lot of different. uh, They can't all be winners. After last segment, I can't believe you went that direction. You know, I love to fight. So I love when you want to go battle on something like D.S. Gridge versus Rashad Penny especially when I'm right. So, no, I, those things are great. Yeah. I, I would kind of understand if after leaving for a little while, Bobby would come back and be like, man, I really did miss it here, but also it's not exactly the same as what yeah. it is that I truly loved about being here. And that, again, that's not to say he's unhappy or to say that the the guys here don't get him excited. I'm sure he's really excited about that challenge and that newness, but also, you know, KJ's doing media. Cliff's doing media. Cam's not around in Richard's the building. Doing Richard, media. Right. I mean, like it's just a, yeah. it's different. I do wonder if in in if and when this does come about, and it will, and I think it will probably be the preseason that he will actually be a tremendous gauge. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading through some of the comments yesterday on one of the articles that we put out on Pete, and oh, you know, Pete feels great again, and oh, it just feels it feels right, and you know, and you know, there's certainly some cynicism. Like Pete always says that Pete is always the eternal optimist. Right. Pete always feels like things are in a great spot. I think Bobby will be a a great like litmus test for that to be like no it actually is. Well, he was asked a little bit about the defense here. I got this cut for you now or more can play it. But he was asked about the defense and how things have changed just in terms of the scheme since trying to get a straight answer on this has proven nearly impossible. Here's Bobby explaining how nothing is really that different except that it is. I mean, I don't think it's too different. I think it's just more so um a mixture of coverages. I feel like before um you know, when I was here early on in my career and things of that nature, we, we ran a lot of cover three, and that's pretty much um, what we were in the whole time. But, you know, as I was, you know, kind of later in my career, we added cover two, cover four, cover six, just different things. And so I think that's just um, the difference is just more a mixture of coverages versus just sticking to one. Cover yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. Cover six? Yeah, it's just the opposite. They're running a cover six? <laughs> cover six. That sounds <laughs> impossible to, to, to throw against. How do you throw against a cover six? Yeah, so many so many people back there, Saul. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's they, they are going to mix it up a little bit. In their heyday, they did. You have to deal with us. Like, we're going to play what we play. And it's not that heyday anymore. It's different. The schemes are a little bit different in that vein. But I, what I want from him is, does this feel like 12 and, you know, 10, 11, 12? Right, in terms of vibe. Yes. Does this feel like this new wave of young, young, you know, pups, these, these all pro, these mm-hmm. near rookie of the year? Does it feel like it did for you then? And how much different is it with Gino? Like, you know, you, you were here. That's true. I mean, you, he's, you, he's never been here when Russell Wilson wasn't the quarterback. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, overtime, and that's that will not be interesting. That's yeah. not May twenty second. That's no. not the first day of Phase Three that's of the OTAs. Point, but it's that that will be. Yeah, very Bobby's an telling. interesting barometer. I like that. That's a yep. it's a good point by you and a good point by Mora about sort of missing something that maybe isn't quite the same as when you left. Last thing here, quickly from Bobby, is he was asked about the green dot, right, which goes to the the middle linebacker who calls the defense. He was mm-hmm. okay. So you're gonna have the green dot. Yeah, I mean that's that's my that's my takeaway. I mean, a lot of people can have the green dot, but. I will be the guy for sure. <laughs> a lot of people can have it, but I'm going to be the guy for sure. I love the confidence out of Bobby. That's great stuff. And it is fun having him back in the building and out on the practice field. We'll come right back with everything you need to know. As we said, a win powered by your two young guns, the two absolute 
the pillars of this rebuild finally doing it at the same time last night. What could it mean for the future? Stick around. You'll find out next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, it was nice to see the Mariners just get to it last night. Right off the bat, Jared Kelnick hitting a bomb in the first inning. Kelnick swinging a drive deep to center field. This one is going. Where is it going to land? Way up at the top of the upper deck. Yeah, it was way gone. I went to the planetarium yesterday at UW. I think I saw Kelnick's ball, like where it was going to land later on. Was that the crowd? 55 feet. Was that the ball with that noise? It was very loud. Uh, He wasn't the only one going deep, though, yesterday. Stretch and the next off of the way. Swing and a well-hit ball. Deep to left center field. Is that number two? And it is goodbye baseball. Holy smokes, Jose Caballero. That's right. He had another home run, uh, two and two games. Julio had three hits. Kelnick had three hits. But Caballero, such an interesting part of this conversation. He has been nothing but great ever since showing up. And every night, Scott has a little something extra to say about this kid. He's been awesome. Uh, Cabby has played fantastic. You know, I've mentioned it a couple times, and I'll say it again. All the little things that he does. It doesn't show up in the score box all the time, but, uh, uh, you know, the three-run homer certainly does. But the 12th pitch at bat, like what that does at that point in the game, he gets the starter out of the game, he gets into the bullpen. The defensive plays have uh, been outstanding. He's a baseball player. It's the best way to describe him. He does all the little things that help you win baseball games, and he's playing great. Came in at a time we certainly needed him, gave us a shot in the arm, and he will – continue to get plenty of opportunities going forward yeah plenty yeah i'm trying to think of a young guy that has brought this much to the mix not not a julio not a young guy somebody that toiled for year after year after year after year in the minors right and, and then he comes up and, and and you can you can see it like with every game every series every week that he's gotten these opportunities at first, it was a little bit of the swag, right? I mean, just kind of like, I don't really care. I'll stare at you, Candy Maldonado. I don't really care. It's not candy. I know it's not, but I, I pre- he looks like he eats a lot of candy. And then it is, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some scrappy defense, and then I'm going to steal some bases. And then I'm going to screw with all of you with this pitch clock because I know how to manipulate it better than anybody on this team. Oh, and then let me show you the last couple games that I got a little thunder in this stick as well. Like, he's just continuing to add and add and all the way along. Colton Wong sitting there going, that was supposed to be me. That was supposed to be me. And it's not going to be But you got to do it. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you are in a professional business. Trying is not good enough. I mean, you got to succeed. And Caballero certainly done that so far. Speaking of some issues, Marco Gonzalez, three and one on the year, but that 6.1 ERA is kind of a uh, black mark on the rest of this pitching staff, which has been so, so good. Chance to turn it around against these double AAs tonight. Luis Medina will go for Oakland. Here's the second thing you need to know. Updates yesterday, Cal Raleigh, mostly positive as he had an MRI for his neck and all things seemed to be okay. So he was out there again last night. Uh, really good news. Dylan Moore set to return in all likelihood at some point during this 10-game homestand. you got nine games left. So hopefully in the next week we will see Dylan Moore. And that will create an interesting conversation. Uh, for Sam Haggerty and for Colton Wong in terms of who's still going to be with his ball club when that's said and done. Andres Munoz feeling better after a light bullpen. That's good. They're hoping for early June there. Same with Penn Murphy on the next road trip as well. And then poor Easton McGee. This guy came up through one unbelievable start in his debut and now needs Tommy John. That just stinks. 
Yeah, pretty brutal. I, I would say just kind of listening that to now the second time, Saul, that timing-wise, this could end up being pretty good. You do get the A's. You do get the Pirates. Nice to see the Pirates beat the Rangers last night. Hopefully they can sweep those guys away and you can make up a little bit of ground here. And then ultimately the Yankees come in before you hit the road. But it may just set up with 10 games in 10 days that you got a pretty good feel and get a few of those bullpen arms back when mm-hmm. you go out and you hit the road. Right when you're going to need them. Yes. And, and, and hopefully, certainly over these next three nights, you know, that maybe this bullpen too can take a little breather and every time out isn't a high leverage situation and a one run game or you know a tie game or anything else you can actually do what you did last night and and put a little breathing room and give those guys you know just a little bit of a breather because man there was a lot of leverage situations through the first 40 games for that pin here's the third thing you need to know all right day one of otas yesterday geno smith speaking afterwards he really liked his rookie number 20 overall pick wide receiver man he's so impressive uh very smooth route runner um natural hands uh and also you know the game's not too big for him uh you can see he's got that self-confidence that you look for um you know he's learning he's picking up his assignments uh learning the offense uh you know like all the other rookies and uh, new guys and so Really, really, uh, Jackson's been tremendous so far, and I'm just looking forward to seeing him grow and grow as the weeks come about. You know, we talk about so many of the other guys with interesting, you know, debates around them, conversations, but don't you think the guy who should stand out the fastest and be easiest to see what he's he's able to do is Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yeah, yeah, and kind of like we did with Tyler Lockett his rookie year. Right? You just, in the preseason, you just see, gosh, yep, this guy's got a, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between those two. Both of them have tremendous body. Balance. Both of them have a lot more leg strength. I think Jackson even more than Tyler does. But it is just that, you know, we call, we had this conversation about Boye yesterday with instincts mm-hmm. and how often instincts are tied to processing, right? And the faster you can process, boy, the more instinctive you look out on that field. And Tyler was that way as well. You know, he, he was that way in high school. He was that way at Kansas State as a multiple All-American. And he hit the ground running right away as a rookie. That preseason flashed, and you're like, oh, yep. Yep, this guy's got it, and more than likely number 11 will as well. All right, that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Uh, we are going to be talking some baseball for the rest of this hour with Jeff Passon. It's kind of fun bouncing back and forth with some good stories in town. Just a, a little bit of a lighter day right after you know some, some workouts yesterday, practice, and then just seeing the Mariners look like that, like, you just need the reminder, right? Like, uh, I know they're capable of it. When the core of this lineup hits, they're going to score runs. Yes, Oakland's bad. But, you know, the guy who they've, they've seen some other bad pitching and have not quite taken well, advantage they, of yeah, it. Yeah, when they were in the Oakland they the last yesterday. time, they didn't hit. You know, when they were in, last, in Oakland last time, it took A.J. Pollock home run to yep. win a game. And, they, you know, they did not get those bats going. And, you know, that sound of service. Play that one again because that, that resonates a little bit because we had this conversation. Where does this come from? You know what? Actually, let me hold on. because I want to play for Jeff Passan. Let me play it okay. when we come right back. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Jeff Passan will be with us. And I'll play him this same Scott Service cut that I played you earlier, Brock. Because it does seem like maybe this is a team, I don't know, it's only one game, but is starting to recognize some of the urgency of the situation. And uh, that would be a very welcome addition to this Mariners season before it gets to uh, slip away from them. So we'll play for Jeff. We'll get his reaction to that and a whole lot more. Coming up next, Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. This this is Brock and Saul. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Let me read you some breaking news. It's not good news necessarily either, but I will read this to you. Uh, When we spoke to Brady Henderson 
an hour ago from ESPN.com. He said he was having some difficulty getting a straight answer on whether the Artie Burns signing a cornerback was related to the fact that Tariq Woolen was out, not out there yesterday. Well, Adam Schefter tweeting moments ago, Seahawks Pro Bowl cornerback Tariq Woolen, a fifth-round pick who tied for the league lead in interceptions during his rookie year, underwent arthroscopic knee surgery today that is expected to sideline him until training camp. League sources told both him and Brady Henderson. So Brady obviously continuing to do some digging, and he and Adam Schefter uh, coming up with the story there. So arthroscopic knee surgery, not the same as like an ACL or MC. I mean, this is not the worst thing that can occur, but it's not necessarily the best thing either. Mm, mm. Uh, I thought you were going to say Achilles, and I'm really glad you said arthroscopic knee. You know, could be in, and the fact that he's going to be back by training camp. Yeah. So whether that's a little meniscus cartilage, it's easy for us to say, right? I mean, this guy still is having knee surgery, but that seems to make a whole lot of sense. Like, why would you in a room that was your deepest room, right? Why would you go sign Artie Burns back? That, that Well, now you got the news. Well, we'll come back to that uh, and, and dig into it maybe a little bit further at 9 o'clock. Jeff Passan joining us now as he does every Tuesday at 8.30. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Gentlemen, how are oh, you? Oh, you sound good. Oh, yeah. You're back to 100%, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm feeling much better. Life is, uh, life is much better than it was uh, at this point last week. Let's put it that way. Let's start off with something super fun and positive, and that's Jared Kelnick. Because just, again, watching it last night, and it's not just last night, it's everything we've seen through 45 games this year, but watching him last night, the easy power, just the way he does so many different things on a baseball field. What is the Jared, the full Jared Kelnick experience like? Well, I think the full Jared Kelnick experience, Mike, is what we anticipated after that first year when he got traded to the Mariners. Um, You know, the numbers that he was putting up in the minor leagues were otherworldly. The power was really easy, and and he got to it easily. Like that's the thing you can you can have power where in batting practice you're just you know launching balls all over the place, but uh, power in game is a completely different thing, and Jared Kelnick has it in spades. And I think we've seen that he's got ten home runs now. He's slugging over five fifty. Like, you know, I, I'll say it again: this is the guy who the Mariners thought they were getting, and uh, he has been an absolute godsend because without Jared Kelnick this year, uh, the Mariners are among the most disappointing teams in baseball. Last night, Salk and I trying to remember with more ingested. I think the first time in a year and a half that we have seen Jared Kelnick and Julio, those two, be the absolute fire starters. Those two absolutely yep. carry the team. And, uh, I mean, that just has not happened. And then trying to imagine, Jeffrey, if it can happen, if these two can grow together over the years with their unbelievable talent and put it together uh, collectively, who has done that? Who is an outfield over the last 10, 20, 25 years in baseball that has had two very young 20-somethings with absolutely special talent? Oh, boy. On the spot, nobody is coming to mind. I'm sure that there there are examples of that. But across baseball right now, I don't know that there is one. 
Um, I mean, there's certainly I, many I teams that... that have had the individual, right? I mean, we had it in Seattle for so many years with Griffey. Sure. You know, Buner was a nice counterpart. But as far as coming up together at that young age and having the kind of ceiling that I think both of these guys have because of just their physical traits and their physical giftings, not been really done much before, has it? No. I mean, let's just like, let's take a look at Arizona right now as an example. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks came into this, uh, into this season with Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, um, really being like guys who they were relying a lot on. Well, Corbin Carroll's been awesome uh, because he's from Seattle. But Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas find themselves back in AAA. It's, it's hard. It's hard to have you know, it's hard to find one all-star caliber outfielder, let alone two. Um, but I, I'll tell you what the, you know, what, what my like happy moment last night was it, when Adrian Martinez let that change up right in the middle of the plate, seeing Julio Rodriguez just hit an absolute missile to left field. I was like, Oh yeah, that's what that looks mm-hmm. like. And, and, and it's, it's nice to see, when when somebody who you know is one of the most talented players in the world um, they can can go out and remind you just how talented he is. Uh, like Julio, when he's at his best, is a top five to top ten player in baseball. I don't think that Kelnick has that ceiling necessarily, um, but... Julio is everything. And if, if Jared Kelnick, the way he's playing this year is your second banana, um, that is a ripe, delicious, perfect banana. Just out of curiosity. And and I like the banana talk. I'm a big banana guy. (laughs) To answer, to answer your question, Brock, it it was Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich. Yeah. Down in Miami, right? Yeah. can I ask a what might be a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyway. Are you sure Kelnick doesn't have the same kind of upside as Julio? I don't think so because he's a corner guy, and I think the strikeout issues are still there. I I, I see Jared Kelnick wave at too many bad pitches still, and I know that you know the swing change was was supposed to help with that. I think the swing change um, really allowed him to kill the pitches in the zone. But I think until the swing decisions are better, I just can't put that, you know, all world ceiling on him quite yet. And maybe maybe that happens. Maybe he tightens the zone even more. But if you look at the strikeouts walk ratio, it's pretty similar to where it's been in the past. Well, the uh, whole team was having significant strikeout issues. I think Shannon Dreyer told us yesterday, what was it, Salk, in the last 30 days, five of the top 11 strikeout guys in baseball yes. were Seattle Mariners. So they have a, a you know disappointing trip. Kind of, the, It's been, as you said, one of the most underperforming teams through 40-something games. They come home yesterday. They face the A's. Go ahead and fire that Scott Service sound. I know we wanted to play for pass. And here was Scott Service talking about maybe a little different tone and tenor brought from the position guys yesterday. Yeah, the, the tone was said earlier in the day when we got into the ballpark. Um, you know, the, the pregame meetings today and stuff, our players, our position players were not happy. Um, you know, they know that our pitching has been doing an outstanding job, giving us a chance to win every night. And we're not taking advantage of it. So um, talking to a few of the guys and then uh, sitting in the meetings today, there was definitely a different 
vibe about it. We need to pick it up. We need to get going, and now's the time. So it was great to see you tonight again. It's just a start. A couple weeks ago, we had some sound of Scott, and it was a very different sound, but basically he said one guy spoke, and I think that was clearly him speaking to the team at that point. Mike and I said, well, you can't do that too many times. That to me passed right. and sounds that to me sounds like it was actually the positional players. It was actually those bats. It was actually some of the v- veterans and young veterans realizing this season's no longer early. Is that what you hear? Yeah, I think they're pissed at themselves because and by the way, can we can we just get off the Luis Castillo isn't okay? I know it was the A's, but can we all agree Luis Castillo is gonna be fine? Yeah, he looked great last night. Yeah. Luis Castillo's fine. George Kirby's awesome. Bryce Miller's awesome. Logan Gilbert's awesome. Like, when so you have... So do your job and hit! <laughs> yeah. When, I mean, when you have four starting pitchers who have, like, 180, it's somewhere in that, it might be even higher, like 180 to, like, 30 strikeout to walk ratio, you should not be a 500 team. Like you should, you should be, if not leading the division, um, and the Mariners bullpen too, by the way, um, you know, they've been really, really good up and down. Um, you should, you should, if not be leading the division, then certainly be in a playoff spot at this point. And so I think there's, there's, there are elements of pride that are going on here. Like, Hey, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Now it's, Time to stop messing around because there's not going to be a 14-game winning streak this year. There's just not. That's not a realistic thing. That's not something upon which you can count uh, or rely. It's not going to happen. And so instead of sitting back and, and playing 500 ball, we need to go out and win series. Every time we play a team three games, we got to take two of them. And when you do that, that starts adding up, and that adds up quickly, and that's how you thrust yourself back into playoff contention. And I think the the hitters understand we can't be average, and that's what almost the entire Mariners lineup outside of Jared Kelnick and, and Cal Raleigh's been this year. Uh, Ty France is Ty France has been a league average hitter. J.P. Crawford has been a league average hitter. Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez, Gina Suarez have been slightly below league average hitters. That is not something that is going to play long term. And I think the Mariners understand that. The sense of urgency there is what I appreciate because they understand the season can get away from you quickly. And we're at that time right now. You know, I talk about it with you guys every year. Memorial Day is the day. Like, you know, if the Mariners are at 500 on Memorial Day, I think it's going to be a disappointing thing. They 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 had higher expectations of themselves, and I think they know they're better than how they've played. Jeff, sophomore seasons in baseball tend to be challenges for teams, and we've seen it obviously with Julio this year. We've had a lot of those conversations, but he's not alone. I mean, we were we just saw Michael Harris uh, the second last week for Atlanta, and obviously his struggles right now are, are even significantly worse than Julio's. I, I don't know whether he's necessarily quite at the same prospect level as, as Julio is, but what is it about second seasons that tends to be an issue for these guys? I honestly don't have a good answer to that because there are some guys who come out in their second seasons and they're even 
I mean, look at Alex Rodriguez struggling mightily his first time in the big leagues and his second season at 21 or at 20 years old, he hit 358 and, you know, 40 home runs. Like, I don't know that second season necessarily have to be as troublesome as they can be, but my, my only explanation, I guess, is that suddenly you're not looked upon as a rookie anymore. It's almost like when you're a rookie, you're looked at like, okay, this, this person is susceptible to something. Whereas if you've gone out and done it for a full year, like Leo Rodriguez, for example, you know, guys, guys know now that you can beat them and there's a book on you and they're going to try and do it. And the adjustments that the best athletes in the world, guys are the ones who are capable of making the most on the fly adjustments. It's hard to adjust things on the fly. It's hard to adjust when teams are approaching you differently than they did the prior year when you found so much success. And, it's almost like you need to recreate yourself. You need to find that different version of yourself who's capable of being just as effective, but in a different way or in a different fashion. And adjusting as an adult, adjusting as a person in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s is a really hard thing to do. Imagine trying to do it in your 20s, like when you don't know anything. And in that, I think... If there is an explanation, it's that, but it, it also doesn't apply to everyone. So I, I don't think I can point to a guy and say, he's going to have a bad sophomore year, he's going to be okay, because honestly, I think Julio Rodriguez is one of the, you know, as, as resplendent as his physical tools are. I think one of the best parts of his game is the mental aspect. And uh, seeing him struggle the way that he has has been a big surprise for me. I, I thought he was going to have an absolute monster year this year, and he may yet still, mm-hmm. but uh, he's got a hole to dig himself out of. Well, leadership and mentorship matter. I think what you've done right there, recreating, I mean, it's what we try to do with you on this show, Jeff. We've had you for years. You've recreated from a wet blanket to, you know, very positive guy, <laughs> adjust, adjusting on a fly. So with that, I'm going to try something that's something I don't even know what I'm about to do. Oh, um, this is just oh, a... On, yeah, Justin, you ready for it? Go ahead. Go ahead and hit it. More. Let's get personal. Personal. We're going to get personal. <laughs> oh, my God. Personal. I want to hear your inner thoughts. Inner thoughts. It's time to get personal with Jeff Passon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't tell me about that ahead of time. We, we wouldn't have played that, I can assure you. <laughs> You feel good about it? You ready for that? Is it, Was that good? Am Passing? I? You like it? I, I, shh, quiet, Saul. Passing was <laughs> laughing. Time to get personal. Personal with Passing. We're doing it every single week. We're recreating a little bit in the segment about midway through. I, I shot you this note last week, and, and uh, we didn't get to it because we had other things to deal with. I am curious, from a mentorship and leadership standpoint, who were the people professionally, take your parents and family out of it, that made the biggest imprint on your career? I'd like to know who taught you to sing. Mm. Good God Almighty! <laughs> really? Bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was terrible. I'm telling like, you, okay. if you'd I'm like, I can re- I can record that sure. for you. I could. Yeah. We're gonna get personal, personal. Like you gotta, you gotta well, go up an octave or three. Yeah, you gotta go. He does you gotta have go like the rhythm of the song down sure. better than yep, you brought. Good way to go. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard when the music's playing in real time. Um, so I started writing baseball when I was 
22 years old, I think, maybe 23. And all right, that's all the time we have. Thank you, Jeff. Though this has been great, we've really enjoyed this. That was awesome. Thank you so much. No, you're gonna. No, you're gonna. There's a. There's a little. There's a little punchline here. You'll enjoy this. One of my first times in the clubhouse. Um, nobody knew who I was because I was new, and uh, a player threw his underwear at me because he thought I was a clubhouse attendant. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason the reason I wear like shirt ties to to a ballpark is because I never want to be mistaken for a clubby <laughs> and get and get jockey shorts thrown at me again. I just have no desire for that. So. I did not know what I was doing. And the baseball clubhouse is a very, man, it's a very interesting place. And trying to find your way around there and understand and have the feel, nobody who's 23 years old has the the feel to go in there and do that. And so Bob Dutton, who you guys know, I Mm -hmm. I assume know fairly well for all of his years covering the Mariners. Uh, Bob was the Kansas City Royals beat writer. When I got hired, I, I totally skipped beat writing. I got hired to cover like national baseball when I was 23, having never covered it before. And Bob Dutton showing me the ropes, telling me what to do, uh, was the the absolute best mentor, friend, teammate I could possibly have. And there's just there is so much you can learn from experience. And it's why when I see industries, my own included, um, pushing out people who have been around for a long time, it deeply saddens me because I think institutional knowledge is is one of the great uh, teachers that we have. And Bob Dutton had a ton of it and was, was willing to pass it along to me and help me along. And I will be deeply indebted to him forever because of that. So if you can find a mentor, a kind soul who will tell you how to do the job right, and if you have the humility to listen and to learn and to want to get better, you're going to shine. That's awesome. All right. Well, speaking of a young guy who's having some success right now, as soon as he's found himself in the big leagues, uh, how about this Jose Caballero? I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch him, but does he remind you of anybody? I, I think I brought him up a couple of weeks. Yeah. Ago. Who who does he remind you of? What is, who is this story? Like who 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 is he? I don't know if Jose Caballero is. Ronnie Belliard, but that's the guy who in body type and in skill set, I see when I look at Jose Caballero, you know, somebody who, but I don't think Jose Caballero is ever going to be an all-star guys get to the big leagues at 26. You know, there tends to be a ceiling on them, but I just appreciate somebody who's taking advantage of his time and his opportunity I appreciate somebody who is a good base runner, which he absolutely is. He's fast. Like, he's sneaky fast. Um, I appreciate somebody who makes contact, which he's not doing quite at the rate as he did in the minor leagues because, yeah, it's hard to be a big league hitter. But uh, I, Jose Caballero's earned himself the second base job right now, has he not? For sure. I mean, I don't even think it's a question, especially given some of the other problems they've had this year at second base. So it leads to question two. What do you do next? Let's say later this week, Dylan Moore is going to be activated. He's going to be healthy. He's coming back. You've got two choices. 
assuming you're going to keep Caballero at second base, you can send down Sam Haggerty or you can DFA Colton Wong. What are you doing? I think I probably option Haggerty at this point just because it's, you know, what happens if there's an injury? Um, Don't you want more guys in the organization? You don't have to play Colton Wong necessarily, Um, but I would rather, if I'm the organization right now, and if Sam Haggerty were hitting, it would be a different story. Sam Haggerty's been bad this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but so Sam Hag- let me make you the opposite uh, argument because I, I totally get that argument. Let me make you the the, con- the counterpoint, which is if Colton Wong's not playing, how happy is he going to be? He's in the last year of his deal, and this is a guy who wants to go out there and make money again next year. He'd like to probably go somewhere else and try to play. Two, Sam Haggerty can come off the bench and actually do something for you late in games. He's fast. He can run. He can go in as a defensive replacement. Colton Wong has somehow a negative 0.7 defensive war through 40-something games. I didn't even know how that was possible, but somehow it has been. I mean, Sam Haggerty, you're right, hasn't hit either, but might legitimately help your ball club more than, than Colton Wong on the bench. I think the fact that they have two perfectly and your argument is is solid they have two perfectly reasonable options right now and you would rather have it such that you're you know the decision that you're making is a really hard one rather than an easy one um and hard in the fact that everyone's playing well who are you gonna you know it's like the francisco alvarez situation with the mets right now like you know they shouldn't send him down but they may have a roster crunch. There, there's not a roster crunch here. I, I think either either of those options is a perfectly reasonable one for the Mariners. So uh, getting getting Dylan Moore back is going to be a good thing, too. Dylan, Dylan Moore is just – I feel like he's just a winning player, man. He just yep. does things that uh, put you in position to win ball games. whether it's walking, getting hit by pitches, swiping a bag. He's able to play all over the diamond. It'll be good to have him back. He's not going to be a guy who's going to put up a three or four win season for you, but a couple of times a year, he's going to do something in a ball game that's going to lead you to a win. We got to run. You got to run. Last uh, quick question is if the Mariners were a music genre, since we learned last week that you know your music and you know it well, if the Mariners season right now was a music, music genre, who would they be? What would they be? Uh, I feel like they would be the sad country song that that still has hope to it. It's like, yeah, you know, my dog got run over, but hey, maybe my next dog will be even better. I don't even know what to make of that, so we're just going to let you go, Jeff. <laughs> thank you for the personal time today. Uh, thank you for singing better than Brock, yep. and uh, thanks for all the optimism. We'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. I want to get personal, personal. Yeah, that is uh, better than, that's better than Brock. That's for sure. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Never know. You never if know you what you're going to find in the Brock and Salk show anymore. If you wouldn't have talked over it right there, we could have had that I next know. week. I'm sorry. I <gasps> thought he was done. I didn't think he was going to keep going. I thought he we were going to play him out. <laughs> I got to tell you, Jeff's given a lot of surprising answers over the years.
I don't know that I've heard anything more surprising in my 14 years on the air in Seattle. The one answer Jeff gave today. We'll come right back and discuss this breaking news with Tariq Woolen. What does it mean to have arthroscopic knee surgery? That's next on Brock and Salk.